Every Arizona homeowner's best friend. And it all has to do with you. Thanks for tuning in. It's Rosie on the house. Your weekend wake-up tradition. Inch by inch, row by row. Gonna make this garden grow. Come on around back Arizona, Saturday morning, 8 o'clock, the outdoor living hour, third Saturday of the month. We're in the nursery with Jay Harper, and we are just three days away from winter. Officially starting, we'll be talking about covering and frost protecting your plants, but how about that moon? Yeah. Isn't that nice? And it's not full till tonight. Oh, it's tonight? It sure looked like it this morning, but it is... uh, it's called the Cold December Moon. I was reading about it on Farmer's Almanac this morning. And they also uh, call it the Long Winter Moon because this is the longest night of a full moon before our days start getting uh, longer again. Well, the days sure have gotten short. <laughs> the day, daylight, anyway. I, I can't even days get you're home. Work, you're working, the, the day that you're working at in the dark now is longer. <laughs> Oh, I get home and it's already dark. It feels weird. It's like, is it time for bed already? Yeah. Yeah, it does. It does kind of do some weird stuff to your energy level, doesn't it? It, It's hard to get up in the morning yeah. when it's dark for, you know, you're, you're already at work for an hour and it's still dark. It's just weird. <laughs> Tough to get going, but it's, you know, it's, uh, boy, the, it's just been beautiful. What a fall. Oh, the, the weather's been fabulous. Yeah. We got a little rain last week. Yeah. All the, you know, all the trees are just that, that different color of green, just a... Slight change, but it's it's there. It's uh yeah, we had some moisture and, and looks like maybe some chances right on through the end of the year for a little rain here and there. So let's hope. Let's hope. Now, what do we have to be concerned with on our garden on protecting Well, probably watching the watching the temperatures and the forecast and, and for cold if you have things in your garden still that are not technically winter vegetables. So if you're still sneaking some tomatoes through or peppers or maybe some basil or something like that, all of that stuff would certainly need to be protected um, if, if that's still in your vegetable garden. Um, you know, the, the normal winter crops that we grow, the, the leafy greens and the, and the root crops and things like that don't need you know, for for a frost, they don't need any protection. Maybe a hard, hard freeze. But um, so, if you're if you're still sneaking some some kind of warm weather stuff through, you'll have to cover. If you've got tender subtropical or tropical things in your landscape, lantanas and bougainvilleas and hibiscus and and those types of things, yeah, again, a little frost, natal plums, another one. Uh, you know, a little frost might tinge them a little bit, might not hurt them too bad. Um, if we get colder and there is an actual freeze warning, then you'd want to cover or pay attention to those things in your in your garden. Um, make sure you cover using a lightweight kind of porous cloth type material. You know, everybody's probably seen that. You know, the frost cloths have become pretty easily obtainable and pretty easy to obtain. Don't use plastics, tarps things like that i'd rather you not use burlap but it's okay in a last resort at least it's breathable you know if you have a choice it's got to be breathable um if you got the old blankets and sheets out that's okay the nice thing about the the frost cloths is they're lightweight and they're also they emit some light through them so you don't have to take them off 
you know, if you leave them on for several days straight through, it's okay. Uh, the things that are heavy like blankets and burlap, if it gets wet and those things, you know, can do some damage if they're wet and heavy and laying on the plants for very long. Plus it's dark, which plants don't particularly like for too long a stretch. So, you know, that's the basics. I haven't seen anything in the forecast that leads me to believe we've got to really watch citrus and things like that. I got a question for you. Uh, was that a client's home uh, looking in a bathroom remodel? And so we kind of finished talking our way through that. And she says, Rosie, I want to show you something in the garden. I said, why are you? <laughs> I said, you must not listen to the show. <laughs> but in her garden, it looked like to me she had about a dozen volunteer four-inch tall tomato plants. And she wanted to know, do I just let them go? Mm. I mean, do I, do I protect them? And do I let them grow till next spring? Well, certainly she could let them grow, but she would. You definitely want to protect them, especially okay. very small ones like that. Okay. Um, Got a little bit of a head start, doesn't well, you? Well, and you know, yeah, yeah but if you're going to plant tomatoes from seed, you know, about Christmas time till about the middle of January is the time to do that because you want to start planting, you know, transplants of tomatoes in in early February. Okay. Um, so well, I think these were all volunteers yeah. from the compost pile. Prob- probably. What I, that's yeah. what it looked like to me. Well, if, if you do compost, <laughs> tomato seeds do not compost very easily. They stay fertile uh, for, through a lot of things. I won't describe some other things that they stay through, but um, let's just say they're sturdy. They're huh? sturdy and they do come up, you know, like that if you've compost. So, yeah, why not let them come on through? But you know, get some good frost cloth, and 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 in her case, I might build a semi-permanent covering, something with a little wood frame, so the cloth isn't actually on the plants. Get them up and and actually leave them on. Um, <clears throat> back in the day, I can remember my grandpa planting tomato plants, and they'd use a hot cap, which was like a a wax paper product and it looked like a you know like a little cap um, and you actually put them we planted the plant you put the cap on you put a little dirt around the lip or the edge of it to hold it in place and then as the plants even grew as they might hit the roof of that they would just slit the sides and that made like a little mini greenhouse around those and they'd leave them leave those on until the plants actually just outgrown and then pull them off so in her case I probably would leave something like that on permanently Till the danger of frost was over, or the plants had gotten big enough that they didn't need it. All right. Well, if you don't have frost cloth now, it's the time to buy it because would, as yeah. soon as it hits, the stores get cleared out. You know, for obvious reasons, we don't stock and supply a lot of frost cloth in Arizona, uh, and what is available goes pretty quick. It can, yeah. You know, if you're an avid gardener and you're and you have a a decent vegetable gardener, or you have a few really prized, maybe hibiscus or things that are going to need cover, just have some on hand. Go buy a couple packs, put them in the storage room or the closet. They don't really go bad, and it keeps, and you can keep it for a number of years. So, you know, just just have some on hand. Um, A little tip with that stuff, though, when you're done with it, you know, lay it out and get it good and dry before you roll it up and put it away for the season. Um, you know, you don't want it getting, you know, it can get kind of moldy and, and uh, 
folded up good, dried out good. Uh, I've had, I've used, we, we had the nursery. We reused it for many years, sometimes four, five, six years. It will start to then kind of, uh, decompose for lack of a better word you know kind of falls apart after a while but it takes a number of years for that to happen if you'd like to join the conversation talk to jay harper about your landscape garden one 767 that's one triple eight rosie for you text questions can be sent to 411-923 or you can email us at info at rosieonthehouse.com and we're talking landscape gardening. We're going to cover over frost protection because hopefully we will get a couple good cold nights. Always get rid of the darn mosquito. I still got mosquitoes. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Kill that mosquito and fly population oh, down a little bit. Oh, we we could use a hard a good hard freeze. Just if nothing else, just for that. Yeah, I had one buzzing by my ear sitting in the house last night. It's like golly, what the heck. <laughs> Where did that come from? Yeah. Now, for winter lawns, we had a uh, question in this week. Actually, it was a, a text question last Saturday that I saved for this week. Somebody wanted to know, should I, do I need to mow my winter lawn before I fertilize it? Well, probably. I, I, if, you're, if, you're ready to, if it's ready to be fertilized, you would want to mow it first, then apply the fertilizer after you so you don't just sometimes if if you capture your clippings if you catch them in a catcher and you put fertilizer on there and you go out and mow it you could potentially just pick up your fertilizer in your clippings and, and dispose of them um so I, I i would i would i would mow it and then just come right behind it and fertilize it and water it in good um you know yeah. if it's a few days apart if you fertilized it on you know, Monday or Tuesday and you wanted to mow Friday, that would be okay. But I just wouldn't do it, you know, right after you'd done it. It's a very small percent, but I, my thought was, well, why would you fertilize something that you're just getting ready to mow? Mow it first so what the plant that's left is the plant you want and it's getting all the fertilizer and stuff. Well, yeah, there's something to be said for that too. And that's another actually reason to not – I quit picking up grass clippings years ago. Um, because most of it's water anyway. And why would you want to have those new, you know, you're cutting off a plant and there's nutrients and nutrient value in that stuff you're cutting off. Just let it pick up. Now you have to mow your lawn frequently enough that you don't end up with, you know, a bunch of windrowed material, you know, up on top of the grass, um, or you have to go over it a couple times to kind of get that all, you know, chopped up and, and spread around. But, uh, you know, I, I, just don't, I just don't pick them up. So that solves that problem as well. Um, speaking of, you know, frost and winter lawns, you get a frost or two, you'll find out how good a winter lawn you've got. <laughs> you know, how much of that lawn you're looking out there that's green is actually winter ryegrass and how, of it's still, how much of it is actually Bermuda. The Bermuda will finally go dormant, and the and the ryegrass will not, and you'll see how good a stand you have. If it gets if we get cold enough, ryegrass will even start to yellow out. So it's a good idea to keep it fed, um, so it doesn't yellow out on you. Because once they yellow out and it's cold and wet and damp, it can be kind of hard to green them back up again.
last broadcast before Christmas. Can you believe 2021 is already over? Next Saturday is Christmas. Our radio affiliates have special programming, so we won't be here. Uh, there will be special Christmas programming. Uh, so we'll talk to you all January 1st. We will be live for New Year's Day. Uh, if you'd like to join the conversation, one 767 that's one triple eight Rosie for you. Text questions four one one nine two three, or you can email us at info at rosieonthehouse.com if you need to send a picture or a short video. You need a little help with plant or insect identification and a favor we'd like to ask of our listening audience. Go to rosieonthehouse.com. On the homepage, the right hand side as you scroll down, you'll see a little red bar called Quick Links, and in there there's a three-minute survey. Click on that. We'd like to hear listener opinion as we put together our programming outline for upcoming years. Uh, we'd like, we've got some questions that we'd like to hear from you about what, what you enjoy and what you'd like to hear more of here at Rosie on the House. This is every Arizona homeowner's best friend. Our 30, next year will be the start of our 34th year in broadcasting, and we're always forever looking for ways to improve and uh, bring you the content you want. So help us out. Fill out that survey. We would greatly appreciate it. And we're talking landscape and gardening this morning with Jay Harper in our outdoor living hour. We've got Christmas trees. I, You know, I pulled an article out of the Casa Grande Dispatch about even Christmas trees are in shortage. I'm like, really? Really? It's not like we're <laughs> importing them from overseas. It's nope. not like they're stuck on containers. Well, One of the things was like we don't have enough truck drivers. Trucking is the big problem and, with a lot of that stuff. And I don't think we have any shorter shortage of truck drivers. We drive a lot of freeway miles. We've been in the last year to Tulsa, to Des Moines, to Vegas. Uh, and with the trailers that we haul, a lot of times you can't get in and out of regular diesel pumps where cars fill up. So we got to go through the mm -hmm. semi-truck lanes. I mean, every single Loves or Travel America or Flying J. I mean, you're waiting four or five truckers deep. I think the demand for products has just gone up, and they haven't been able to fill the truck driver position. It's not like we've lost any truck drivers, in my opinion, driving the freeway miles. But anyway. Well, talking to the some of the <laughs> trucking company owners that I know, they're short drivers. They're so. short on drivers, or is it? They, and they and it maybe they're short they drivers because they have more demand for drivers than they had before. But that would be the question I ask because we're short on labor, but we don't have any less people in the company. We just have more that we need to get done. Good point. Yeah. Um, that still doesn't get your product here if you need no, to get it, here. it doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> but every every nursery I've passed, I've seen a decent amount of trees still on the lot. Even last night, I was taking note driving home. Uh, if you haven't gotten your tree yet, be look look very closely because they've probably been out on the lot a couple well, weeks. Well you want to <laughs> certainly want to you certainly want to buy from a lot that has covered trees or keeps your trees well covered and well wet down and moist. If they're sitting out on an asphalt lot in full sun, yeah. They, they, you know, it's not like they get shipments of Christmas trees every day. So if you wait till the, towards the end, you're going to get a fresher cut tree. These trees were probably all cut at the same time in Oregon or, you know, wherever they're coming from and were shipped. And, you know, they've been rolled, kept rolled up and 
storage somewhere. So, yeah, they're not getting any fresher if you wait. And uh, certainly make sure that you you really be observant to the tree lot you're buying from, that they are taking good care of their trees once they get them in. So, and and ideally, even the trees that are standing up that you're selecting from are in the shade and in water. You know, they have, you know, the stand that they have it in should be uh, the type that holds water and they should be in the shade. Just my recommendation. And a fresh cut always before. <clears throat> a lot of the lots I've noticed will do that almost, for you. Now. Almost all of them if, if that, that I'm aware of do it automatically, but certainly ask them to do it if, if they don't. Um, and drill and a fresh and make sure they drill you a new hole too, so that you've got a good straight hole that, to put your stand in that's the hardest part yeah <laughs> drilling that yeah, thing in and if it isn't it on, yeah oh my gosh right. you've got to now you're bending legs of the stand yeah and, and putting magazines under things <laughs> jennifer and i got really lucky this year the little tree i brought home um we wet it down and let it sit in a, in a five gallon bucket of water overnight uh-huh. and then brought it in that thing drank, and we've got one of those big green tree stands. Right. I don't know. It must hold close to a gallon a and a half of water. Mm-hmm. It drank the entire tree stand in about a day and a half. And that's a good point. So make sure you keep it full of water because if it goes dry, then it, will, it could lose its ability to take up any more water. On the other hand, I bought one for the office, <laughs> and they put a fresh— Coat on, uh, cut on it, Jay, uh-huh. it did not take one drop. After two days, it was already dropping ornaments. I thought it was beautiful. I brought it in, and everybody's like, what's wrong with that tree? <laughs> My eyes were just closed, huh. I guess, to what was really happening. <laughs> so I always uh, am a big proponent of the bounce test or the pull test. So if you've got a tree in the lot, you know, pull on the needles, bounce, it, bounce the tree if you can a couple times, see how much falls off, how easy the needles pull out. We did that after I got it home. (laughs) (laughs) Well, there's always green spray paint. Romy walked in the back of the office. He said, who picked that tree out? (laughs) Mom said I did. Let me rephrase that. (laughs) I'm sorry, Mom. (laughs) Doggone it. How are we blessed with this beautiful tree? (laughs) You know, there's a lot of uh, products that they will try and sell you to add to the water and stuff. But I... Just water. Make sure you're not keeping it for more than a month. Make sure you got water. Later on, we'll conspire as we dream by the fire to face unafraid the plans that we made walking in a winter wonderland. What a beautiful Arizona Saturday morning. This is the time that, you know, it's really enjoyable to be landscaping garden you don't ever break a sweat i know you know your hands might get a little cold here and there but that that's nothing to for the trade-off of the nice weather i'd rather have a little cold hands to start with than to go out and not be able to touch the shovel because <laughs> it's so hot it burns your hands <laughs> you gotta wear gloves just not just to pick it up <laughs> For our trees, you know, you had mentioned citrus and you know, f- worrying about, uh, you know, not having a frost. When they get tall enough that you can't fit frost cloth over them, then what do you do? Well, 
Typically with citrus, we don't worry too much about the foliage. It's the fruit that we're trying to protect. And, and so most of the fruit is inside the canopy of the tree. And, yeah, it, it does pose a problem. Any, you know, big ficus trees, citrus trees. So, and it's got to get very cold, you know, 26 degrees or so for a few hours is it, before you start damaging citrus too much. Um, so when it gets, if we get down to that situation, what you're going to really try and do is, is keep the tree alive. Wrap the trunk so the trunk doesn't freeze and maybe the major limbs. Maybe pick or harvest the fruit. And then a lot of times they'll run water, you know, you know, very slowly water them all night long because that will raise the temperature and the humidity level. Um, you know, when, when we get to that point, we're, we're, you know, we're kind of in survival mode. We're not trying to protect just the, you know, the aesthetic or the cosmetic appearance of the plant like you are covering a bougainvillea or, a, you know, a hibiscus or something, trying to keep it from frosting back or freezing too hard. And that, that brought up a point that Rosie asked during the break is, do you just lay the frost cloth on the plant or do you build a structure around it? If you can build a structure and not have the frost cloth actually touching the plant, that's the best. Because the frost cloth itself will eventually freeze. And wherever it's making contact on the plant Ooh. will damage and freeze. So, And I'm sure you've got some easy ways to do it. I just take one by twos, drive them in the ground two feet tall, yeah. and then as I unfold it, I just staple it to the top of those so the wind doesn't blow it away. Yeah, so yeah, you can... It's really quick it, and it, easy. It's pretty simple. Uh, and the stuff is light enough, it's not hard, you don't need help, you know, holding it up or doing anything like that. But yeah, little little one by two redwood, what we call redwood stakes, they're probably not redwood anymore. <laughs> 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 little wooden, wooden stakes, you know, three, four foot long, Put them in the ground deep enough; they stay up and and staple them to it. Uh, you know, you can get you can get really exotic and build PVC structures and wire and different things to suspend it. But yeah, and and that that's a good point. That that material is really light, and the and a breeze can blow. Now, if if we're breezy, we don't usually worry about frost. But invariably, what happens is breezy till midnight till or one o'clock in the morning, <laughs> and then you know. Uh, then the, the stuff's laying off on the side where instead of where it should be, and then it frosts. You know, the coldest time of day is just right, right at and during sunrise, not the middle of the night, which is another good point. Don't get up and you're going to work at 6 in the morning and pull all your frost cloth off because you're, you're going to work. That's the coldest time. <laughs> yeah. So leave it on. And then I said, if you use a an actual frost cloth material, just leave it on for three, four, you know, however long the, the event is occurring. And usually it's only a couple of days. Just leave it on and, and you'll be better off. So frost cloth, it doesn't seem like something we need to talk about here very often, which is, and we don't, but every now and then we do get that cold snap. It's been, I'm trying to remember, probably about 10, 12 years ago that we had one that, I mean, really just. I know 2011 was was really cold and maybe 2013 there was about every other year there for a couple of years you know four or five years 2011 13 in there we yeah. got I've, super cold i mean it froze water fountains it 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 broke uh 
vacuum breakers on sprinkler irrigation systems. By the thousands. Yeah, just popped them open. Um, I, that was just after we had planted our first phase of our orchard. I was wrapped up like an Eskimo out there putting frost cloth on all these little five-gallon citrus and uh, you know, fruit trees that we had planted. I mean, it was just a, for, it seemed like a couple weeks we were doing every the, single The whole day. city of Phoenix looked white, and it wasn't snow. It was frost cloth. Frost cloth. <laughs> <laughs> so if... If it catches you out by surprise this year, it's, it's don't say we didn't warn you first. Right. In our 9 o'clock hour next hour, we're going to be talking about our top blogs uh, and articles that over the course of, of this last year, of the eight that we're highlighting, uh, three of those have to do with landscape and gardening, and one of them is about plants out of control, uh, featuring a Primarily, the, the sisu was the first one that was mentioned. Mm-hmm. It's something to be aware of when you're, if it's in your landscape or gardening, identifying it and thinking twice before you cut it down. Because that's really when Yeah, it isn't it. when it's growing. And people panic. They hear, oh, I have one of those, so they go cut it down. Well, now's when, <laughs> now's when you got the problem. You weren't really going to have much of a problem while it was there growing. But, man, they have got some type of... Uh, survival mechanism built into them. You cut it down, <laughs> and Katie bar the door. You know, and they are a, a great tree. I mean, they've gotten a bad rap because there's a of place that, for them. My neighbors got um, a row of about six on one side and four on the other. Under, I mean, it, it's it's incredible shade canopy. Yeah, there's you know big properties, big open you know retention areas, retention basins. You know, there, there's, there's still a place for them, but you know, maybe not in a, you know, a, a four thousand square foot lot residential home. So. And on the topic of plants out of control, I've started moving my pre-emergent lawn care to January. It may be a little early, but I hit it in January, and I hit it again in February to beat the spurge. Yeah, it, it's the only way to really control spurge. Man. It, it took me four years to get my lawn back. Wow. It just took now, over. Once you're there, you don't want to let it go again. Golly. You know, on the note of pre-emergent, I wanted to ask you this question. I, the last time I put it down was in September, and then we had that little dry spell up until the recent rains. When should I put it down to avoid the weeds coming back? Because right now it's pristine. No weeds. Well, we used to tell people, you know, that, you know, September, the first day of fall, first day of spring. So September, March. So sometime in, you know, February, maybe mid-January to mid-March would be your next application. And you would put it down and water it in if you, you haven't have had it. You have to water it in. Yeah. It has to get activated into the soil. Yeah, you can't just leave it up and wait for a rain. Now, if you can see rain in the forecast and you can hurry up and go out there and get it on, that's, that's, that's great. Writing so, that down. <laughs> how how far ahead of the forecast? Because that's always been my problem with pre-emergent. Well, is, not too far. Like I would think, forty-eight hours probably is as long as you'd want it sitting okay. there without being watered in. And if you've been in Arizona any amount of time, you know even when it's a hundred percent chance of rain, it's not a hundred percent chance of rain. <laughs> Hundred percent chance of rain that's going to rain somewhere in, in the forecast area. Oh, you you could sit there on your back patio and watch the cloud go right by. Your neighbor get pounded and you get nothing. Yeah. But that 
uh, when you say you don't have any weeds, Gary, you have weeds. That rain last week, everything's just moving a lot slower in growth. It's not like the monsoons where it rains and the weeds are sprouting the next day. That that germinated and they're well. They're the thing starting. is, a lot of the a lot of what'll happen with now is the winter moisture. You know, it it stays in the soil a long time, and as soon as it warms up, February or March, then that material will germinate because there's enough moisture in the ground. So, yeah, you want to make sure you get pre-emergent applied before we start to warm, get soil temperatures warmed up to where that, you know, we start to have germination of of cool season weeds. And on your pre-emergent, you know, the the size of our properties is is, is another challenge for us as well. And where do you start and what's important? And you, we can't do it all. Can you... Um, on your 48 hours, is that a granular or liquid, or can it be both? Well, um, certainly liquid, you want to get it watered in pretty quick. Uh, granular, you probably got a little more time, you know, but I certainly wouldn't leave it out there for a week or so, yeah. you know. Uh, you'd want to get, you know, if you got the ability to run some sprinklers or have a water tank or something that you can get get on it behind it and get it watered in. Rosie talked about his lawn taking four years to get back and now he doesn't want to lose it. We it took us months to regain our, our yard from cheese weed that had just taken over everywhere. I mean it was we had a really wet winter, I guess that was last uh, two years ago. And we got back from a wheat trip and I mean it was just you couldn't even find the kids when they <laughs> walked out of the door. I mean it, it took all all spring long for us to finally get them all killed off and now it's you know every weekend i'm out there and i'm spot treating and pulling and we're, uh, we're, we're not letting that well come that back. stuff's huge and it's hard to get it gets big trunks on it's hard to get rid of <laughs> oh know. we had everything i mean i had an old-fashioned sickle we had uh dragon you, you know the, the weed dragons you the torches you hook yeah. up to a propane tank uh-huh. uh, i had a got a bush hog for the tractor i mean it was it was a full-on war, and now just you know, every weekend I spend a half hour doing something. It just it go scouting keeps for it. <laughs> scouting for sprouts, hunting for weeds. Yeah, so, <laughs> you you don't want to ever have to re- recover after that. And you know we've got enough other things growing that we don't just let the goats and the horses and the cows out because yeah they would go eat Strip our orchard first and, and then they'd mm-hmm. go eat the weeds second. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> They never just they'll get it, but they'll get everything else too. First, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and you know, with with a lot of the stuff we grow, we don't want to use a lot of harsh chemicals. But then it's like, okay, over here, we've got shade trees, and you know, we're not growing anything to eat over there. So, you know, we're not. You can be a little less selective. You're a little, yeah. much less selective. Yeah. There's a reason that it's Roundup so popular. It sucker works. <laughs> it, it does. And uh, the economics of that, if we ever lose it, could be profound because, uh, you know, of the time savings and the effectiveness of it. And, you know, it, that's a whole other issue. We'll probably get some phone calls now. one 767 
beautiful Arizona Saturday morning as we go through our last segment here in the Outdoor Living Hour. You know, we'll cover other indoor plants that are common around the holidays in Arizona, but uh, what about traditional fireplaces? The cost of a cord of wood is up $45 over last year, and for a traditional heating space, one of the things that growing up, we always had a, a traditional wood fireplace. Now, they switched to gas as soon as they didn't have any firewood cutters at the house anymore when they all moved out. <laughs> that that conversion happened pretty quick. Amen, but... brother. <laughs> <laughs> as pretty as it looks to put flowers and decorations around uh, the fireplace, that's one easy way to... Uh, shorten their lifespan well things like so the the number one holiday plant this time of year obviously is poinsettias and they're a tropical plant they like con you know pretty consistent warm humid air and and i chuckle when i walk into the grocery store where are they at right behind the automatic door and that door opens and you can see the cold air rush in and the, the leaves all flutter and then the door closes. <laughs> like, it's the worst place you can put a poinsettia is where they get drafts of especially colder air hitting them or have a heater blowing on or you're, 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 you want to ruin a Christmas tree really fast, put it close to the fireplace or the heater register where the hot dry air is blowing on it consistently. So yeah, as pretty as they look, put your poinsettias in a brightly lit area that doesn't get hot or cold drafts. Uh, make sure you keep it fairly moist. They don't like to get dry. Um, make sure you take it, when you do water it, take it out of that pretty foil wrapper. Because if you water it and leave it in there, it's going to sit in water and get too wet. So take it over to the sink, put it in the sink, run water through it, get it good and wet. Then once it's done draining, put it back in the the foil wrapping or the container that you have it in. Uh, So bright, warm, treat it like a tropical house plant. And Christmas cactus, those have always been one of my favorite. You know, they're they're pretty tough. They're a succulent, so they don't like to, on the other hand, they don't like to stay wet. They like to get pretty dry in between. Pretty good, well-lit, brightly lit conditions succulent it doesn't like dark dark situations we had we have some customers that you know that became a generational plant you know they might be on their second or third generation of owning a christmas cactus had been passed down from generation to generation you know 40 50 60 years old some of them so they can be pretty spectacular and you get to enjoy them all year long like you said, you've got yeah. some of the last 50, 60 years. Yeah. I, I was at a business the other day. They had one actually in a big pot. It was actually outside. It was protected, you know, kind of under a stairwell where it was bright but not, you know, uh, didn't get, you know, exposed to the cold. And it was in full bloom, and it was huge. You know, it was maybe 15 or 18 inches across and hanging over the edge of the pot. Obviously, it had been there a while. But uh, they don't like the cold. They are, they're, again, they're a subtropical succulent. So they like warm and bright, but don't, but let them dry out. And a nursery is a great place to go if you're down to the wire and looking for a uh, last-minute gift idea. Oh, man, a, you a know. A tree, I, a, a vegetable plant, flowers, the, 
It's a great go-to spot. You know, one of my favorite things to tell people, if you don't know what to, you know, and the, the person is a gardener, get a, get a clay pot, reasonable-sized clay pot, and just walk around and get a few packs of seeds, maybe a pair of gloves. Gloves are somebody that's a gardener. You never have enough gloves. You're always <laughs> losing gloves or you're wearing them out. So a pair of gloves. a finger off of one. <laughs> yeah, maybe a, a little, few packs of seeds, maybe a little bag of potting soil, uh, you know, and, and boom, you've got a ready-made little gift basket using the pot as a, as a container for it. And then, you know, a, a tree is something that'll last, like you said, generations. I've, I've always enjoyed that. We haven't done it because I haven't got water out to it yet, but the south end of our property, um, we're going to plant, and, and we'll catch up there, but um, we'll eventually have a complete privacy screen out of plants, but we're going to have one for each year that we've been there. Uh, and it'll mm-hmm. just continue around the property once we get the, the water all the way out. Great there. idea! Planting trees for memorials for people. Uh, you know, it, 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 it's a it's a great thing to do. They're for you know, once you have a tree, it's pretty much forever. So, you know, it's it's a wonderful idea to to to. Uh, there's always places that need trees: schools, parks, um, you know, those types of places that uh, that need that a little bit of extra shade to help our you know our our uh, heat island effect go away if we can if we can get some more shade canopy we'll, we'll be in better shape both phoenix and tucson have um the the city council or you know whatever are working on plans like i know phoenix is trying to go from 13 percent canopy to 25 percent canopy over the next 10 years and tucson put aside a couple million dollars to increase theirs as well that's a big uh a big push so we always have that srp mesquite tree giveaway i imagine you'll start seeing a lot more of those types of programs pop up over the next couple Uh, years i hope so yep john jay thanks a bunch for coming in absolutely merry christmas sharing all your holiday season cheer appreciate it yeah, well, pleasure. and in particular, we're going to be talking about tamales later on. And That's right. Your, your best tamales as we wrap up the program. We always talk about where we're going for lunch. Well, uh, one of the reasons we pick tamales is because uh, we know that's a big holiday tradition at the yeah. Harper's is yeah. a big tamale cookout. And we have a couple in the freezer out, yeah, out you, back you, that you brought I us I hope this you morning. enjoy them. We will. <laughs> All right. Stay tuned. Next hour, we'll be talking about... Some of the most asked questions we were asked all year long. Can I remove that wall? Why are all Arizona homes covered in stucco? What are some of the most important fixes I have to do to my aging home? All in the next hour. Stay tuned.